Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and I got to tell you, this is going to be an awesome interview today. I am so excited to be talking with Pam Wasley. Pam's a serial entrepreneur, and she's got decades of knowledge and experience. She's personally sold companies. She's led a management buyout. She's advised hundreds of companies on strategies for growth and higher shareholder value. And I just, she's got such a unique perspective on ways that you can really leverage today's economy. I can't wait to dive into it. I think uh, for the small business owners listening, this is going to open your eyes to some new possibilities. And uh, she's been cited all over the place because of her, her groundbreaking work. And she's been in Forbes and Entrepreneur and Fortune and a whole host of other places. So Pam, thank you so much for investing some time with me today. Steve, it's my pleasure. This is, I really, I've heard your podcast and I was looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks. Well, I, I got to, uh, I guess I got to start with, uh, you know, everybody's here, they're listening and they're probably going, well, who's Pam Wasley and, and, and why should we be listening to her? Tell us a little bit about your background and, and what got you to this point. Okay. So, um, it, and truly it was out of boredom. Um, you know, have you ever gotten to the maintenance stage of your job and you just, oh, it's just, it's the same old, same old every day. Well, instead of just kind of goofing off, I just, I was trying to figure out, okay, what can I do that would be kind of fun? So literally at the age of, um, 26, I started my own company and it was in the retail business. I just saw a, a gap in the industry where women who were trying to find businesswoman clothiers, you know, or clothing, uh, they had to go to Macy's or they had to go to Dayton Hudson's or, or whatever. They, they didn't have any other place to buy it. So I thought, well, why don't I just open a store and I can cater to that clientele? So that's what I did. It was fun. I have, I, the, the thing I had that was invaluable was the fact that I had a great attorney and a great CPA. And if it hadn't been for them, I'm not sure I would have made it through because being a first-time CEO, a first-time founder, first time starting my own company, that was a little on the tough side. Uh, however, at the time, I, I didn't think about that. I just powered ahead, got my business loan, got, um, got all the inventory I needed. I stole somebody from Dayton Hudson to become my store manager because I knew that I couldn't be in the store Monday through Friday. So I did, I think, all the right things. But again, be running a company and really not ever being there before was quite an experience because really I, I wasn't really sure what I was doing. So to have those mentors to kind of help me along the way, it was great. Yeah, I can relate. I, uh, I became CEO of my first company at 28. I had no idea what I was doing. And, yep. uh, you know, sometimes I think that's an advantage though, because you don't have baggage. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so from there, I, I literally went back to corporate America. After I sold that company, I went back to corporate America and only because I had moved uh, from the Northwest uh, or Northeast all the way to California. And I didn't know anybody out here and I was trying to get my, you know, legs. Uh, uh, okay. What's the atmosphere? What's the business environment? I uh, found a job right away. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, my next company was in telecommunications. And again, it was at the height of communications, telecommunications, where 
nobody could get enough internet, nobody could get enough bandwidth. I mean, they just wanted more. So the cool thing about what we did is we installed all the, the central, all the equipment in the central offices. And so that was SBC, Nortel, Verizon, Sprint. I mean, you name it, we worked for them. Uh, and how we did it was we went in and said, just give us one job. Just, just give us one job. We'll show you we can do it on time and quality. And nobody else at the time was giving them on time jobs and quality jobs. So when we did one that was fantastic, they're like, can you do a hundred more? <laughs> that's, how, that's how fast this growth was. So that was that the timing, it was more luck than anything else. So that was just a lot of fun. And then this is my third one where I am today, which is serious executives. Well, it's uh, that's quite a journey along the way. I mean, I, I know, starting as a CEO at a young age, um, I know there were probably a lot of times you were walking around in the dark, bumping into walls, trying to figure out what should I do next? And even, even with great mentors, um, that, that's part of the game, I think. As you've developed over the years, what are some of the things that you've done to, to maybe get clarity and figure out the right direction to go? And then when things maybe aren't going really well, what do you do to keep pushing forward? Well, I was very excited to be on your show, Steve, because you called it the unstoppable CEO. And looking back on my career, that's exactly how I've been. You know, I always, I always figured that there was always somebody else out there that was having the same problem I am. I mean, it's just, you are not in the silo. You're not in the closet. I mean, you're not, you're out with other people. Other people are going to have the same issues you are. So find those people, you know, get a network, get a peer group, get, you know, get people, surround yourself with people that can really help you through some of these issues because you're going to have cash flow issues. You're going to have operational issues. You're going to have growth issues. I mean, you're going to have all sorts of things that you've never been through before. I'm here. It is in my third company. I'm still running into things I've never been through before. So, but again, if you just surround yourself with people that have been there, done that, uh, or, or just a really good friend that can talk you through, because the interesting thing about that is the your best friends are going to sit there and listen. They're not going to try to help you, because some of my my best lessons are just talking it out. And I, I, my, one of my favorite things to do is hike. So you know, I go out with friends and we hike. And uh, one of my good friends is literally, she usually does a lot of listening. And by the time I get finished talking, when I'm having an issue, I figured out <laughs> what the solution is because she just kind of led me down the path. She let me listen to myself, I had the answer all along. I just, I couldn't see it for the far, forest, for the trees, you know, that old saying, well, everybody gets mirrored in their business to the point where they just can't see outside that box. Yeah, I, I think that is uh, such great advice. Just, I mean, we used to joke about it. I was in a peer group years ago, and uh, this was the first one I was ever involved in. And we used to all kind of joke, like, this is the loneliest job on the planet, running a <laughs> business, because there are things that you can't talk with, you know, if you've got executives, uh, you know, immediately underneath you reporting to you can't talk with them sometimes about some some things. Certainly, you, you know, the rank and file team in, in the business, you can't talk with uh, about a lot of things. Um, you might not be able to talk to your outside advisors or aren't ready to yet. Um, 
you know, and, and there were even things that, that I know I went through that I didn't really want to share with my spouse because I hadn't fully processed them yet. And so I know if I dumped it on her, it would just create a, a bunch of worry. I'd work it out three or four days later and she'd still be worked up about it. And so you've got this burden. It's like all inside. And, and uh, we used to call it, you know, they call it masterminds. Now we called it our, our therapy group, you know, for CEOs. <laughs> and, Oh, I like that name. <laughs> I mean, we would get in there and I mean, it's great. And it was all, we, we made sure it was very confidential. Nothing left the room, but uh, just to be able to be around people that could look at you and like you knew they understood because they were going through the similar things. I think that's really valuable advice. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really, I couldn't do without it. And I have a, a CEO peer group that I go uh, once a month to and we talk about, you know, what's happening in our companies and what are we stuck on? And that is invaluable to me. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, so if you're listening to this and, and you're in that situation, um, the fastest, easiest solution is go get around some people who can help. And I, I was shocked. You know, I went into that experience and, and I, I don't know how it was for you, but I went into the experience and I was, I think I was two years in. So I was about 30 years old and it was pretty intimidating. I was going in with, um, I think it was all men and one woman, one woman in the group. Uh, they were all at least 15 years older than me and had been running companies for a lot longer. And I was like this young kid, right? And, uh, and it can be a little bit intimidating, particularly if you're having trouble in your business or you feel like you're having trouble in the business to go into a group like that and kind of open things up. Did, did you have any experiences like that? Oh yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I can think of a, a couple actually, where, you know, the, the, the thing that I see most CEOs do, and I did this, this is how I know it, and I see it all the time from other CEOs, but I first went in there like I knew everything. I, I was smarter than heck because I started this company and put it all together and I'm the owner and, you know, all that ego thing. Well, <laughs> that's the really wrong approach. I mean, you really gotta, you gotta be human. I mean, you, you can't be, you know, make people think you're always right, that you always have the right decisions. You know, right now people are picking on all the millennials about how they want to be in on decision-making and be heard and whatever. Well, I have to tell you, they should be. Um, you know, some of my best ideas have come from not my executive staff, but from the employees, you know, that don't even have a manager's title because they're right there on the line. They, they know what's going on. They, you know, they see it on a daily basis where maybe I don't see it on a daily basis. So the, so the wrong way to approach um, your team, if you're a CEO, is to go in there just acting like you know everything and there's, um, you know, I can't say, you can't show them that you're worried. What you want to show them is that you're concerned, that you're, you have this issue that you want to talk through and come up with, with a solution for the company. Um, because again, there's, there's the side of if you act too concerned, they're going to start getting worried. They're going to think the company's going down or not doing well. So it's, it's best to share that stuff, but just be cautious how you do it. Don't do it in an emotional sense. Just go out like, hey, I've got this issue. I just want to talk to all, all of you about. Um, that's the right approach. But yeah, be very cautious about being the know-it-all. You know, I'm the owner and you will do this. Um, I just, 
fact, it's really fun. I just ran into a, a company just like that. And one of our interim executives was in there trying to help the CEO. And she was talking about how all the, the employees were the problems and she couldn't get anything done and they weren't productive. Well, at the end of the day, we really found out that it's the CEO that's the problem because the CEO was allowing all of that to happen. And sometimes you just have to, you have to make an example. I mean, you have to go in and there's lots of family owned companies we also work with that they've never fired anyone in 10 years. And I'm not saying, you know, go out and fire everybody. Nobody likes to fire an employee, period. But sometimes you just ignore it all and you really have some bad employees in there that are toxic to your organization. So maybe it's time to make an example of, you know, one of those employees I got to tell you, it gets the attention of the rest of your employees. So again, you don't want to come across too strong, but you do need to have respect from your employees and let them know that, sure, you'll work with them, you'll collaborate, you'll, you know, you'll give them a little leeway to do their jobs and do it well. But at the end of the day, they better be doing and meeting their goals because if not, then, you know, this company's got to carry on and may carry on without you. So it's that fine line that you have to, to kind of travel that is between not being too overbearing and being helpful and, you know, making others successful. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. We, I had, had this conversation recently with, with someone about, you know, firing uh, team members and, and, uh, and they hadn't fired anyone before. They were relatively new in the role. And, and uh, this particular person, he was just terrified of, of going through the process. And, uh, and I understand that. I remember almost being physically ill the first time that I had to let somebody go. But the more I've, I've matured and, and come to realize I, you do both the company and that person a disservice, because you if you've got somebody that is at that stage, you've already decided there's no advancement potential for them at your company. So you've now just trapped them. You might as well let them go. Might as well let them go be successful somewhere else because you you've already in your mind decided they're not going to be successful with you. So, um, you know, and sometimes it's just our job to go have those difficult conversations. Yeah, and you know, Steve, it's really funny because everybody worries about firing them. Oh my gosh, are they going to turn on me? Are they going to be mad? Are they going to be is it so depressed? Well, you know, if you handle it appropriately, I mean, you handle it right. Number one you know, if it's a good employee, but they're just not right for your company. I mean, you know, you can always assist and, you know, point him in the right direction on where to go out and get a job. You know, you can make it as smooth as possible because I got to tell you, I can't, I, I, I can name at least three or four occasions where I've had to fire somebody. And later on LinkedIn, they get in touch with me and say, oh, Pam, that was the best thing you could have done for me because I am in this job. I absolutely love. I've gotten a promotion. It's really sometimes it's better for both parties. I mean, they're holding themselves back by being in a job. They're not really suited for it. You know it. They know it. And it's, you know, it's best to just move on. At the time, you don't think so. Right. <laughs> but later on, when you really think about it and you get that next job that's like the dream job, it's like, why didn't I do this sooner? So right. don't be afraid to fire people because again, it could turn out better for them in the long run. And obviously it's definitely going to be better for your company to do it as quickly as possible. 
I want to take a quick break. And we were talking before, uh, before we started about this unique view you've got of the gig economy, which is, is sort of the buzzword these days. And I've not heard anybody describe some of the advantages of it. And, and for those of you listening, this is going to be different than anything you've heard before. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from Pam in just a second. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute, but what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review, rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back. This is Steve Gordon, and I'm talking with Pam Wasley. And, and Pam, before we started the call, you talked a little bit about the gig economy, and you were you were beginning to tell me about it, and then you stopped yourself and you said, "No, no, we'll we'll get into it." Um, and I, I'm just I'm anxious to to get your take on it because from what I could tell, it's very very different than the way most people are looking at this new way of working. Well, most people, Steve, to tell you the truth, don't even know what gig means. So for all of you out there that don't know what the word gig means, it's like a magician or um, uh, entertainer. You know, they do gigs. You know, it's a, an hour a night or three hours a night. I mean, that's a gig. We'll apply that to the workforce and it's temporary work is what it is. It can be five days a week for six months or it can be two days a week, um, it's, it's, so it varies. So it's temporary work is what it is. So if you, now you know what gig economy means. Um, but no, there's, I got to tell you, it's been coming on rather quickly since the recession of 2008. Um, in fact, since 2011, it's really gained momentum. And it's one of the fastest growing segments right now in the labor force. I mean, there's more and more people. Right now, there's th about 35% of the workforce out there is part of this gig economy. And it's, and it's not just Uber drivers. Everybody thinks, oh, it's the people that walk your dog or it's an Uber driver or whatever. No, believe it or not, now you have executives in this whole gig economy. And executives are perfect for companies today because companies are trying to stay ahead of the, the world that is changing so fast. And it's not just technology moving so fast now, it's the world is traveling more fast because as people watch other companies do this, they're starting to mirror it, they're doing it. So trying to catch up to your competition or leave your competition behind is becoming quite a feat. So you've got to have the best talent you possibly can. And right now, there are millions of jobs that companies cannot hire for. They cannot find the talent. One of the reasons is because a lot of these really good people with this great talent have seen that they could actually go out on their own and start their own company and, and consult or uh, do it on a temporary basis with these companies. And I've got to tell you, these companies are loving it. So... I can just see, you know, whether you're small, midsize, or large, you're thinking, oh, these people are probably way expensive. But no, they're not really. Yes. Let's just little, use a little bit of a comparison here. So if you are uh, trying to hire an operations director 
and you want to pay them $150,000 $150, per year. Well, can you get a, the best of the best? Maybe, maybe not. But that's all that you can afford, so that's all you're going to get. Well, let's think of it differently now. So let's think of, all right, how do we get a better one that's going to do it quicker and better because they've got more experience? So now you go to the interim executive, and you see that this, this director of operations has great experience. He's been there, done that, he's, he, and he's kept on, a, on his skills. So he just did something with another company was similar to yours, and you'd love him to do it for you as well. But he cost $250,000 a year. Well, guess what? If you put him in your company on a part-time basis for, let's just say, six months, uh, because he's very seasoned, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to look for ways to save you money, whether that's in better inventory turns, whether that's in better processes, better waste, you know, less waste. I mean, he's going to do things for you that save you money. So at the end of the six months, he's saved you about $100,000 in savings. So, okay, that took care of some of the costs. Well, all, so at the end of the day, at the end of the six months, he's cost you $125,000. Well, guess what? Okay, so totally you've spent $25,000 for this person, but you've saved all this money. And by the way, it's not just this year you're going to save that $100,000. You're going to save every year and more because there's better processes in place. And you got it done in six months as opposed to waiting a year for that person that you just hired at $150,000 to get up to speed. So, you could do this in all areas, whether it's marketing, sales, uh, uh, operations, finance, uh, engineering, any functional area, it can work today. And I got to tell you, companies are jumping at this. It's easy. It's, it's, these people are very much team players. They can come into your company and literally they just, they adapt well. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but I have to tell you, companies today, um, see so much value in it. They're just saving a lot of money and getting more for it. Yeah, I, I really see, I see the, the entire economic system sort of evolving into, because of technology, because we've now sort of operated in a network uh, structure rather than a, a hierarchical structure like we did in the last century, we now can just sort of go and plug into capabilities. Mm -hmm you know, and, and including human capabilities, which I think are the most valuable and most important. And they were the hardest to do before because the only way to do it up until really the last 10 years was to hire a full-time employee. Exactly. exactly. And that was a barrier for most companies. So to get expertise at the level you needed it, it's really, really difficult. It, it stacked the deck in favor of large organizations that had large volumes of cash flow that could fund it. Now it's, I mean, I, and I love the, the, your take on this because we've experienced this at the, at the lower end of the scale. So we have uh, virtual staff members that we, you know, we'll plug in somebody with this capability, you know, for this specific type of work and somebody over here for this capability. We haven't taken it to the level of, you know, executive or management talent, but I can see in the right situation the, that it's, it's such a big lever for a lot of companies that they couldn't access otherwise. Yeah, and you know, it also cuts their risk. So let's just say a company, I've never done an interim before, I'm not really sure, well, that's okay, but try them 
because sometimes they work out so well that the CEO ends up hiring them. It's not a bad thing. What happens though is you've got to try before you buy. So in the first three months or whatever you know, time you use as an interim, you got to give them projects. They actually delivered results, you know, measurable results in that three-month period of time where you just made great leaps and bounds. And now you go, I want this guy permanently. Well, then you can transition them to a full-time employee. So again, not only do you get more for your money quicker, but you also get to try before you buy. And I got to tell you, you, you and I both know how expensive it is to lose or to hire the wrong person in a, an executive's uh, place. It is, I mean, it can go up, it can range up to a, a million dollars depending on what role they're in and how big your company is. So it can get very expensive. Well, not, not only that, it, it can completely kill momentum. Oh, yes. And, and I mean, in my mind, that's, that's the big cost. I mean, there's hard costs, believe me, but, um, but the momentum that you lose, and I've, I've witnessed this, thankfully I haven't gone through it myself, but I've witnessed it in other companies where they brought somebody in, you know, was supposed to be the perfect fit, right? On paper, in the interview process and all that. And three or four months in the CEO is like, Oh no, this is, this isn't going well. We're not making any progress on anything. And then he, you know, at that point, as the business owner, you're stuck with a really difficult decision. You've invested a lot. You know, is it now sunk cost or do you give it a little more time? Most people give it a little more time and a little more time, and a little more time. And that just, that, that's where all the momentum gets eaten up. You're stat, yeah. you're, the rest of your team's looking at you like, what did, you know, what did he do? <laughs> yeah, <her?"> that's right. <laughs> so there's a lot of danger. And, and I think this, it's such a new and unique approach. It, it, it eliminates a lot of those risks. So if, if I were to go out in the marketplace and look for this, what, how would I find these people? How do they, what do they call themselves? Where do they tend to congregate? How do you find an executive to fill one of these roles? Well, there's agencies like ours. I mean, we have 10,000 executives across the United States and Canada that we place today. Um, so there are other uh, agencies like ours. Uh, there, there's not that many, by the way. There's maybe three other prominent ones here in the United States. Um, a lot of your search firms will say that they do it, but um, I have to tell you that doing a search for an executive and finding the right interim executive for you on an interim basis that will deliver measurable results are two totally different things. So um, if, you're gonna, if you're going this route, make sure that you go with somebody that's done it before, uh, really uh, specializes in interim management because one of the things that we do is we vet them all. So you're not just coming to us to do a search. We already have the people. So literally, we just get all the information from you, what it is that you need, what's the projects that project or projects that you want them to do, and we match that person to be able to do that project for you. And their background check, they are reference checked. We, we also check to make sure what's on their resumes is not blown out of proportion so that we know that these people can actually do what they say they can. And we also assess them for leadership and cultural fits because if you don't get the right person inside your company to work with, then uh, things are going to blow up. So we, that's an important piece for us to get the right match for your culture. Because that's one of the questions I get mostly from CEOs today. What if I get the person in there and my staff doesn't like them and doesn't, can't work with them? That's 
one of the pieces that we make sure that we match before we put somebody in. Yeah. And that's, I, I would think that's probably one of the more critical things yep. you can get a lot of people that can deliver results, but then can they do it within the context of the organization that they're going into and, and fit? Um, and I can understand why CEOs ask that question a lot. I mean, put the wrong person in, no matter how accomplished and you can blow things up in a hurry Yep, in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. So, so can I give people tips and it's not, this is tips to find. Absolutely. Yeah. Person. So well, here's I, just tips. And oh. I, I, want, I want to ask one, before you get to the okay. tips, I, I want to kind of give some context. So what, what types of companies do you feel like are really best positioned right now to take advantage of this? Do you need to be a certain size? Are there certain industries where it, it, it's a better fit? What are you seeing in terms of who this most applies to right now? Yeah, so um, with the startup, let me just go through them all. So with a startup, it's like a gold mine for them because they can't afford really full-time employees a lot of times. So they need to get the best, the best, the ones that are going to make a difference even two days a week. So this is the perfect solution for them. In fact, we do a lot of part-time CFOs, part-time controllers, part-time marketing. We do a lot with the smaller to startup companies. Your mid-sized companies, this is perfect for them because they are, they've been doing things a lot the same old way. And they need somebody to come in with some outside perspective that can really help them get to that next level. So mid-sized companies, that, that's usually what they need. Uh, or they're getting ready to sell their company and we can help them with that by by strengthening their weaknesses. And then the big companies, the cool thing about with working with the corporate companies is they uh, a lot of times will go out and do something. They spend millions of dollars on a test to try out this new product, to try out this new location, but they spend just and now it's like almost half a billion that they spend on these projects. Well, the nice thing again about hiring an interim executive is you can bring an expert in that's done this before, has the capability, knows all the mistakes that have been made in the past, can avoid all those. And let's just say six months, okay, maybe you spent $250,000 or maybe even half a million, but instead of the millions, plural, You've spent $500,000 for him to say, look, this is not the right product for this market. You got to pull out. You got to, you know, you got to abandon this whole thing. They just saved a whole lot of time, money, and grief by having somebody, again, an expert do it as opposed to throwing full-time people in there. That's perfect. And thanks for giving that context. I think that's important. And so what are the tips? How do we, how do we find these people? Okay, so um, here's how to find a really good interim executive if you decide to go outside of service and do it on your own or whatever you do. But the first thing about an interim executive is he, he or she must be able to, when, you, when they start talking about what they've done, or uh, when you ask specifically some of the things they've done, if they can't tell you exactly how they did it in minutes, then they didn't really do it. Either they had staff that did it or they really didn't do it and they, they put it on their resume, but it wasn't really something that they did. So these people are very succinct in being able to describe to you what they did and what the solution was at the end of the day. So make sure you do that. Another one is um, uh, people that aren't experienced tend to do a lot of talking. 
instead of asking you about your business and asking you about, you know, some of the key questions that'll get to the crux of the issues that you're having, they just keep talking. So the really good interim executives, again, they want to know as much as they possibly can, because keep in mind the first year, a week or two, they're going to know everything about your company. And so that first month, they're going to be able to produce measurable results for you. The others who talk too much, they're going to be too busy talking. <laughs> they're not going to be able to find out very much. And that's what will happen when you get them inside your company. They'll just do a lot of talking and not a lot of doing. And then the third one is um, find somebody that, is, that can put together a plan and can execute on it. So um, again, a lot of consultants today can come in and they, uh, they're great at advising you on how to do things, but uh, they really don't know how to execute. They don't want to, they don't know how, and they're not very good at it. So make sure that as you're talking to them about what you want them to do, well, how would you execute on this? You know, just supposing that that's the solution, how would you ex execute on it? So again, those three areas will keep you from making a large error because again, these, these people aren't cheap. They're not expensive, but they're not, you don't want to waste the money on them either by getting the wrong interim executive. I think that's great advice. So Pam, where can folks find out more about what you're doing and, uh, and look into to potentially the executives that, that you may have as a resource for them? Okay, so um, we purposely named our company Serious because we are very serious about what we do. <laughs> However, it is spelled differently. So um, it is C-E-R-I-U-S. Steve, I think you're going to put that on. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes, yes. So it's getserious.com forward slash unstoppable CEO. Very easy. Perfect. And the cool thing is that when you go there, let me just tell them what they get because they get tons. They get our book for free. They can download our, our book that we just wrote, the, uh, the, the Secrets. It's actually called How I Fired My Boss and Made More Money, but it's also the secrets for successful interim executives. If you want to know all the secrets, go to this book because we put them all in there. But you can download that book for free. You also get tips on better cash flow, how to hire better, um, how to put better processes in your company. All of this is for free and you can download one or all of them. Excellent. Give them the URL one more time, please. Yes, it's getserious.com forward slash unstoppable CEO. Perfect. We will link that in the show notes. So if you're driving and listening or you're running and listening or <laughs> wherever you are and listening, you can go, uh, go to the unstoppableceo.net. Um, if you can't uh, put that URL in and you'll find it linked there under Pam's episode. Uh, Pam, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for investing time with me today. It's been a lot of fun and uh, really fascinating and unique approach to bringing on high-level talent. I love it. Thanks, Steve. Really, it's been a pleasure being here today. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.